0: Why wasn't the sacrifice of lambs and bulls good enough? That's the question we're discussing today on The Hero of the Story, presented by The Gospel Project. Thanks for joining us for today's episode of The Hero of the Story, a podcast to help you explore the big story and big truths of Scripture. I'm Brian DeBozik, and with me, as usual, is Aaron Armstrong. So Aaron, today we're talking about the doctrine of Christ as sacrifice— And it really is one that that points us back to the Old Testament, the sacrificial system, uh, whereby ancient Israel would sacrifice on a regular basis, annual, and even more frequently than that, uh, bulls, rams, lambs, and so forth. And why don't we still do that today? That's kind of where we're going. That's what this doctrine concerns with, and it's a glorious reason why not. So, Let's launch in. Go ahead and read the doctrine, and then we'll go from there as usual.
1: Absolutely. This one is a fun one for us to talk about. I'm I'm very excited that we're here. So, there are several signs, symbols, and pointers in the Old Testament that foreshadowed Christ as being the sacrificial Lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world. However, Unlike the sacrificial system of the Old Testament, whose sacrifices were unable to take away sin, Christ's sacrifice on the cross was able to permanently, once and for all, take away sins. So, this doctrine, Christ as sacrifice, in a nutshell is this, that Christ was the sacrifice for sin that all of the other sacrifices pointed toward.
0: Yeah, that's where that definite article "the" needs to be uh, emphasized, as you did. Did did I say that well? Did I emphasize it enough? You did. Usually, you know, I'm a "the" guy, and so whenever I use "the," that's a way to emphasize, Um, and and it's the way we can add bold and italics in our speech.
1: I do love me some scare quotes whenever I talk. So. (laughs)
0: <laughs> all right, so this is really what we're seeing is, again, how the sacrifices of all those, those animals in the Old Testament were, were not enough. They were never intended to be enough. There was a greater plan, and Christ, of course, is that. So let's just kind of look at a few passages in Scriptures. I think it's going to add um, much-needed clarity to what we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll start and just mention in the Old Testament, of course— where we have to go for the antecedent of this doctrine to the Old Testament law, you just thumb through Deuteronomy. I mean, it's not only in Deuteronomy, it's some other places, but specifically Deuteronomy, and just start reading chapter after chapter. Okay, here's how this sacrifice works. Here's the animals you're required. If you can't afford that, you do this. And then here's how often. This is what it's for, Um the, the Day of Atonement, how how the really beautiful picture toward Christ and what we're talking about today, how you have these two goats, one is is slaughtered, the other is set free and driven from the camp. And, and you see all these regulations and rules about different sacrifices, uh, how the priests had to sacrifice for themselves and so forth. Deuteronomy, it, it's a hard book to read that many would say, especially when you're reading through the Bible in a year. But if you read it through this lens of this doctrine, it's still challenging to work through, perhaps. But you can start seeing the beauty. Why was God so precise and persistent about these minute details? It's because he's showing us how cumbersome this was. It was intended to be in contrast to the liberating grace we would receive through Christ.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. And I'm glad you mentioned, uh, other, other aspects, um, that are there, not just the, the specific regulations, the day of atonement, the feasts, um, you know, of course, look at the, look at the account of the night of the Exodus with the Passover. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's a, a key gimme that's, yeah. that's part of this. Um, you know, Abraham's sacrifice of Isaac is also um, is also pointing toward this as well. Um, jumping into the New Testament, though, um, you know Hebrews, he Hebr- the book of Hebrews really in many ways, which is the is is the book that um, is a con- is basically the 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 New Testament commentary on the law. Yeah, and so it's explaining. Why, why the law was, was insufficient to, to, um, to take away sin and to pay for it, especially the sacrificial system. You see that in Hebrews 10 verse four, uh, which says, for it's impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Uh, Romans 3, 21 through 26 um, is another key passage as well in the New Testament in the epistles. Um, where Paul is arguing about how, arguing how Jesus's sacrifice atoned for Old Testament believers as well. So Jesus's sacrifice was past, present and future, um, which is something that we can't ignore or forget about. There are, um, and this, yes, this is me jumping ahead, but I don't care. <laughs> um, there are, um, you know, all kinds of Heresies and false religions and general craziness that would try to say, well, Jesus was for one specific time and then there was something else for someone for another time. And that's um, that in biblical terms is hooey. So uh, (laughs) so this is and this is how Paul says it. Uh, But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been revealed, attested by the law and the prophets. The righteousness of God is through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe, since there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. They are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. God presented him as the mercy seat by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness because in his restraint, God passed over the sins previously committed. God presented him to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so that he would be just and justify the one who has faith in Jesus. And then finally, one, one last one, just because you can't talk about something <laughs> like this and not go to the gospels, at least in one space, John 1.29, which is probably my absolute favorite verse of the whole Bible. John the Baptist is baptizing people near the Jordan river and he's, and he sees Jesus coming toward him. And he says in the CSB, it says it like this, look, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world or, um, but I actually, this is one of those times when I actually really like the the, the King James tradition, uh, translations of this, because the word, the word look just, it's yeah. just not enough. It doesn't have enough weight. So I love how the ESV, for example, says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. It just fills you with
0: something. Yeah, Andrew Peterson would not have done as well with a song that was called, Look, the Lamb of God. Yes. Yeah. Look over there. <laughs> Take a glance. Yeah. Uh, all right. So, yeah, we see this all throughout Scripture um, in, in those that we talked about specifically, of course, and there, but there are more. Um, I would encourage anybody who wants to dive into this more to read all of Hebrews 10 especially. I think that is a really important chapter on this. I'm going to go one farther and just say read all of Hebrews uh, twice. uh, That's true. That's true. Um, So let's talk about some cautions with this doctrine. And I'll go first, and and we've intimated this. Let's just kind of clarify it a little bit more. And it's this. We have to understand the sacrifice of animals in of itself was not salvific. Um, Old Testament believers were not saved by animals paying their sin debt. That is what the writer of Hebrews is talking about. Uh, that's when he says, look, blood and bulls, that, their blood is not what you need. You need human blood. You need the sacrifice. And so what happened were, was God saved Old Testament saints not based on that act of obedience, although it was important that they did it, of course, but their faith undergirding it. We know James writes about this. Salvation has always been by faith. It always will be by faith. And so what saved the Old Testament saint, it was their faith in what God had promised, whatever he'd revealed about that promise to their part in salvation history, that they believed that God promised one was coming to make things right they believed in that promise, and their sacrifice was a way they lived out this faith. They demonstrated this faith in obedience week after week, month after month, year after year, and so forth. This is what Paul is meaning in Romans 3 when he said that God, in his restraint, passed over the sins previously committed. In theory, when Moses—let's just pick on him—when he died in his sin, atonement had not been paid for his, his sins, right? Right? Jesus had not laid his life down yet. So Moses died without before Jesus paid his sin. But God did not condemn Moses to eternal separation. He allowed those sins to sit in a holding pattern, if you will, um, until the day when Christ laid down his life and paid for those sins, including those of Moses. That's what Paul is saying, that it's always been about Jesus, it's always been about this sacrifice, the sacrifice. It's always been faith in him. And when Jesus laid down his life, that took and secured and firmed up the salvation of Moses, that, and his sins were then accounted for. They were taken care of. They were no longer needing to be passed over, as God did from Moses' death until Christ's death. So that's kind of the first thing here. This This was really eye-opening for me when I when I first encountered this doctrine several years ago because I was one of those that believed Old Testament saints were saved by sacrifices um, and so when I started rubbing shoulders with this, Romans three that we just looked at in Hebrews, it was really eye opening and just it affirms the consistency of God's plan. It's always been salvation yeah. by grace through faith
1: yeah, and if if anyone has any doubt of that, just remember. Ho- Hosea speaks to this as well. Um, Hosea six six, which is quoted in Matthew nine thirteen, um, says, "I you know I desire mercy, not sacrifice, and the acknowledgment of God rather than than burnt offerings." These are important things to remember: obedience, mercy, following God, knowing God. Those are those are the things that are, that are central. Um, as opposed to the act of sacrificing, because you can yeah. sacrifice all day long and it doesn't mean anything. Um, and that actually brings to the, us to the next point. Um, when we think about um, cautions or, or, or things that we need to remember as we, understand, as we seek to understand this doctrine, that because Christ has fulfilled the purpose, because he is the sacrifice, as we said in our simplified explanation of this, or our summary of it, um, it would actually, it would not just be unwise for us to continue the practice of sacrificing animals. It would be wrong to. The the shadow has passed away. The substance is here. Jesus has finished the work, and his work does not need to be done again. And so... While there are many activities that can continue from the Old Testament, for example, some believers do practice the Passover meal. Some people do choose to participate in certain feasts voluntarily, not as a requirement by any means. Um, but that doesn't but no one sacrifice, practices animal sacrifice among God's people today. And in fact, not even the Jews mm-hmm. practice animal sacrifices. And there's an important reason why. There was only one place they could sacrifice, which was the altar in the temple.
0: And, and what, what is does there not now? Exist. There's a mosque. Yeah. So yeah, this is that that's a really important I I I'm in I'm among those who believe that. Um, Rome's sacking of Jerusalem in 70 AD was an act of, of God's mercy and grace toward the nation of Israel. Uh, it was painful for them, of course. It's it yes. not pleasant. But in doing that, that, I mean, the temple has not stood since then. And the reason I would believe is is because God has removed Israel's capability to perform sacrifice because that time has passed, as we're talking about and it puts them in a quandary. If you are a, a Jew today, and you are trying to live out the truth of the Old Testament, you cannot practice the Day of Atonement. They've not yeah. been able to do that for 2,000 years. No. And, um, and so I... the sins have not been dealt with from their understanding. And in my estimation, it's God's way of waking up and saying, consider Jesus. This is, you know, I've given you the answer. You don't need to do the day of atonement anymore. I've given you Jesus. Sacrifice has been made. I think it's an act of love and, and grace and mercy.
1: It is. And yet, um, I, have a, I have a friend who is Jewish. We went, to, we went to college together. And I once asked him, so if you, you can't, because there is no temple, you can't practice animal sacrifice. You cannot, you cannot atone for your sins. So what do you do? And his answer was, well, we pray. And I never got an answer to the follow-up, which was, but is that enough? (laughs) (laughs) So that is, and that's, that's a difficult, that's a difficult thing um, to recognize. And um, the thing that we, you know, there's a lot of different ways to to view and understand and approach modern Judaism. Modern Judaism, regardless of what stream, because there's multiple streams mm-hmm. of Judaism, there's actually atheistic Judaism mm-hmm. as well, um, which is a contradiction in terms because it's all built upon the principle that there is one God. Um, but um, this is how this is how the world works now <laughs> um i mean to be fair you also have um you know denominations in canada that suggest that you can be an atheist and also be a pastor so um this go. is how it works um this is the world we live in now um probably the most extreme view that i've ever heard someone take on on, on this is because christ is Um, is that, is that we need to recognize that because Christ, Christ's death and resurrection is the completion, the fulfillment of all of the sacrificial system. Um, what, um, is is that technically there is no true Jewish faith in its intended form because it was completed with the, with the death and resurrection of Christ. And so obviously we know there are Jews today. We know this. There are Jewish people there, people who practice a form of today. But what they're practicing is, is con- remaining at, at its best in, a, in the shadows of what has been fulfilled and brought to light.
0: Yeah. And, and it makes sense because what was the early church's intention? It was not to start an offshoot new religion. It, that's why Paul went to the synagogues first the intention was this is the completion of judaism this is where god was taking us it's Mm -hmm. one arc of a story not a separate story that we're starting here so it makes sense that the early church was saying no this is the fullness you look at scripture we recognize this you look at the old testament clearly it's pointing to christ we it's one story arc um in, in scripture about jesus and it, it makes sense. The temple has ceased, therefore proper Jewish worship has ceased. Therefore, the Jewish religion proper has ceased, if, if you want to put it that way. And again, it, it's God attempting to be quite clear. Getting back to us, the point there that that you made. I don't think I don't think I've ever heard anybody advocating that we sacrifice animals. But just to be clear, this is one where it would be wrong of us. Again, as you said, because those are the shadow it would be wrong. We'd be painting a bad picture to the watching world. Uh, yeah then no we are at that point we're, we're just killing animals just to kill animals um, not you know the sacrifice has been made. so mm-hmm. yeah Let, let's let's wrap this up with what difference this doctrine should make. It feels like a layup question because we're talking about Christs sacrifice. yeah um, I mean it's at the core of the gospel. This is the way we're saved. It makes all the difference. Um, you can't jettison this doctrine and have what we know as Orthodox Christianity left standing.
1: Not even a little bit. And along with that, um, it, is, uh, it is our hope. We, the work is finished. We rest because Christ has, has fulfilled everything. He has completed the work. He has, been the sa- he has made the sacrifice, and now he sits on his throne at the right hand of the Father, and he is forever making intercession for us, or not forever, but at least until the day he returns.
0: Yeah, and so that, I mean, if you read Hebrews, as you suggested twice through, uh, you will read a section on there talking about Christ being our rest, and that's a glorious truth that we don't have and that's again it's the contrast you look at, at what was required of the Old Testament of Old Testament Israel and ongoing non-stop sacrifice all the effort go go beyond that it's not just the actual act of the sacrifice you got to raise these animals you got I mean all these other things that go into it and um, always worried you know hey a minute I've, I've got the sin I got to make sacrifice for it to make things right Um no, we rest. We rest in, in confidence in what Christ has done. He has completed that work. So it is a, is a reminder of the grace, the mercy of God. We trust fully in what he has done, not in what we might do. So thanks, Aaron. I appreciate this, this discussion. Um, hopefully it has been helpful for those listening. Um, I do want to thank you for listening to today's episode of this podcast. If you have enjoyed it, please do leave a sincere five-star rating and review on Apple Podcast or whatever platform you do use to listen to the show. And for more resources to help you focus your ministry on the gospel, please visit gospelproject.com.